Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow, and welcome to this week's edition of Tech Takeaways. Uh, I'm joined by my uh, usual co-hosts. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, neither of them wanted to tell you their names, but hopefully you know them by now. Um, <laughs> be in the right. And, uh, and this is part two of, um, of a special with our guest, uh, John Hope from SoFos. Hi, John. Welcome back. Hi, Thank John. you very much. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know we're saying having you back, but literally we've not left the seats, have we, since, uh, oh, since part don't one. Don't spoil the magic oh, for the, the audience. The, the I like to pull ruined. back the occasional podcast curtain just so people know oh, just how we do this thing. To be fair, I am like, wearing the same stuff, so I guess it's reasonably uh, pe- People who are regular viewers of the show will realise that Normally, um, we're wearing the same clothes for about five weeks. Um, so um, it's 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 a podcast as well. So some audio listeners out there uh, won't even oh, know. Well, for, for audio <laughs> listeners, audio listeners assume yeah. we get changed between every episode. It's just <laughs> yeah. the viewing viewing audience who realise that we don't. Um, anyway, we digress. Um, so um, in part one, we talked about kind of uh, the cybersecurity landscape a little. Mm. We talked about the issues that we still see with ransomware and this kind of multifaceted problem that we get. So on, on this show, we wanted to talk a little bit more about maybe how we start to deal with that. And, um, and actually, between recordings of shows, we did take a breath. Um, Wayne had a great question, so I thought we'd probably share that with you. It's a good way to start. <laughs> uh, cheers, Paul. Yeah, it was just, again, coming back to some discovery calls that we've done over the past couple of weeks was a question that was posed to me uh, was, when should I start planning for an incident? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, categorically, you shouldn't be planning for an incident while an incident is happening. <laughs> yes. That's absolutely the worst time to try and figure out what I should be doing. Okay. The shorthand answer, I guess, is now really it's, it's super important to have an incident response plan um because like i said you don't want to be caught out trying to work it out so your incident response plan you know there's a whole bunch of things you need to be thinking about and that includes what is the likelihood of getting attacked and you you have to operate with the assumption now that you are going to get hit at some point working on the assumption that you're not an interesting target and you won't become a victim is is frankly speaking naive okay so you need to assume that you're going to get hit and then the question is what's going to get hit how does that look and how do we get back up and running? So, so is it important yeah. as part of that instant response plan as well to, you know, I mean, we, we did an episode actually where we talked about kind of cyber resilience, you know, and this mm-hmm. is, a, is a big part of that. So, you know, but this is not just an instant response plan, is it around technology? There's a whole bunch of other things in general, you know, you, you talked about kind of the risks, so what's the impact on a business, things like how do we communicate with people? Are these all important things to, to include in? hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that because so many people think that writing an incident response plan and figuring out is an IT problem, and it's not because yeah. it involves everybody in the business. Um, and it involves things like, yes, what do we do in terms of lack of productivity? How do we communicate to, to our customers, to our suppliers? Um, and then how do we get back up and running? Those are just a couple of real simple examples, and it transcends every department and, and every discipline in the business. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a team effort, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because if if we look at a cyber incident, for example, that affects uh, IT s- systems, IT people are going to be focused on getting them back operational. Mm-hmm. But that's, that may not just be the only impact. You know, there may be customers that need to be contacted. Who's going to contact them? It's certainly not going to be the IT guys. They're busy recovering the systems. Who else is involved in that instant response plan, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a team effort. But the problem is with with a group of people, if they're all off pulling in their own directions, then actually you don't really progress anywhere. So one of the really important things is who's responsible for which aspects. Everybody cracks on with their own little bit and everyone's working towards the same objectives. Yeah. So so a naive question to ask from me then is, you know, what does planning look like? You said you've got to look at um, how are you targeted? What's the risk? 
you know, is this a plan that you design and you test, you know, you test it annually? What, what, you know, what advice could we give to people around planning for a cyber incident? Okay. So obviously every organization is different. So yeah. you've got to make it bespoke to your own organization. And we, we publish free of charge an incident response guide that talks about some of the things you should be thinking about. And that would encompass things like what are my most critical systems? And then in the event of an attack, if that attack is still in progress, maybe you can have a little bit of time to shut down those systems before they become part of the problem. Um, so that's, you know, that's super important, working out what are my critical assets? And then conversely, what are the important assets I need to get back up and running? In what order? You know, where is my backup? How do I restore from that? At what point do we do that? At what point do we make the, sure the backups are clean before we bring them back into production, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, these are all really, really important steps along the way. And I suppose actually on top of that, this is not just about planning for this. This is about practicing and and running some of these scenarios so like you said the time to plan for it is not in the middle of an incident no. but of course the time to test the plan is also not in the middle of the incident so have you got have you got any advice in terms of how companies should try and make sure that they're comfortable with their incident response plan way before they have an incident absolutely yeah so so an incident response plan first and foremost is not something that you print off laminate and it's set in yeah. stone for all eternity because you know, IT systems are constantly changing. They're constantly evolving. The business is constantly changing and evolving. So you need to make sure that your incident response plan includes the reality that you're in today. And, you know, in your backup, for example, if it's not included the new server that you stood up last week, then that's that's useless. So it's got to be a living document that you constantly change. But then also, as you rightly point out, you need to be testing it as well. Again, you don't want to find out that it might, actually there are some deficiencies as you're experiencing an incident. So the, the best thing to do is test it. So, you know, testing the, the technical measures like backups, making sure that, that, that the integrity is there, that it works, the process works effectively, but also making sure that the people know what to do in the event of an incident. It's, it's like the same reason we have fire drills, right? You don't want to be sitting there thinking, where's the fire yeah. exit? You know, you ought to have a knee-jerk reaction of, right, the alarm's going off, that's my route out of the building. And an incident response from a cyber perspective should be the same. So it's something you test on a regular basis to find out that it works and it gets people into the process. And, and again, this is not just an IT test, is it? This is a, you know, actually I think that the kind of the parallel with things like fire drills is really important because, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, it's one of those things, organisations, when, when we talk about things like instant response plan, you know, maybe sometimes people switch off thinking, oh, it's another IT thing and I don't do technology. But of course, we've already got examples of this in organisations. You know, we, we have health and safety, you know, health and safety is a, a thing that all companies do and importantly they do and they make sure it's it's right at the top of the things. So when when a, a new starter gets enrolled into a company, of course they do the health and safety, you know, walk around, they talk to HR. Well, part of that should be, this is what we do around cybersecurity. And the same with incident planning, like say we do fire drills, it's no different to do we've had an incident, let's get the team together, let's look at running the scenario, whatever that scenario might be. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it feels like that's kind of a critical part of, of getting it right. Absolutely, it is. It's, it's super important. And you've got to try and make those simulations as realistic as possible. And I'll give you an example of a, a terrible error that an organisation made when it came to incident response. We love a terrible error. Go yeah, on. I don't want to name the, the unfortunate organisation because yeah, it's, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. But I mean, they, they had, on the face of it, they'd done everything right. They had yeah. they'd gone through an incident response plan. They'd built it. They'd uh, tested it and made sure it all worked. But that was stored on a server. 
It was never physically okay. printed out, so you can kind of see yes. where this yeah. is going, right? And, and it's things like that that people don't really think about, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So go on, where's it going? Because I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so okay. The, the server with the incident response plan got encrypted. Ah, uh, okay. And then, so everyone knows there's an incident response plan. And that was the plan. only copy? Yeah. yeah, that was the only copy. There wow. was no, phys- I mean, you want it physically printed out and you probably want it at home. Because a lot of systems will go down. You know, if you're using voice over IP, which many organizations are using, there's a pretty reasonable chance that even your phone system isn't going to be working. Your email system isn't going to be working. So, you know, how do you contact people? You know, yeah. you probably ought to have something like a WhatsApp group or some kind of out-of-band yeah. method mm. of communication with key stakeholders because you cannot assume that anything in the organization is going to be working. I mean, you couldn't really do it in reality, but I guess the, probably the most effective way of testing your incident response plan is literally going to the main circuit breaker and turning the power off. Mm. We chatting this week, I don't know, was it a conversation we might have had in the past couple of weeks about there was um, dialogue between the company that had been hacked mm-hmm. and um, their organisation saying, what should I do? And they intercepted the email and said, just paid a ransomware. Was You could probably explain that a bit better. Was it? Oh, no, no, that was pretty much it, yeah. yeah. So so the attackers, and I know we've talked about these kind of war stories before, but, mm. but the attackers, again, were continuing to carry out reconnaissance yep. while the company talked to their instant response team right. and they saw the information, well, what should we do? How should we negotiate? Mm-hmm. And the cybersecurity criminals just came in and said, just pay us the ransom. Stop, stop right, asking how we should deal yeah, with right. it. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and all of those kind of things. I mean, I think it speaks hugely to the complexity of the problem, uh, you know, and I, and I don't think in a kind of a 15-minute show we can do do justice to how, how big a challenge it is. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to know that companies like Sophos provide instant response support and instant response teams. Yep. You know, there are organisations who work with you in terms of developing your plan and, and looking at how to do it. Yeah, so, up, up front and then executing on it as well. I mean, we talked about resources before and the fact that there's not enough people to run the organisation typically on a day-to-day basis, never mind when something does go wrong. So, yeah, it is worth mentioning that at Sophos we do offer an incident response service and that is effectively, whether you're a customer of ours or not, if you experience some kind of cyber incident, then you can call us up and we will work with the victim organization to um, first and foremost kick the bad guys out and make sure that we're in a healthy state and then look at how we get back and running as quickly and as effectively as possible. So we have a pot of resources that are available to, to the unfortunate victims. So I, I, don't, I don't want to do instant response to death because I know Jason had a, a question that he wanted to ask kind of before we ran out of time. So, um, so Jason, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I just wanted to touch on instant response a little bit, just around kind of the planning. Personally, I don't think that instant response is, is talked about internally with companies enough. Um, a lot of time we've seen assumptions being made between different departments, you know, so um, cyber team, maybe not talking to the IT operations team, you know, and you ask the cyber guys, what would you do to recover from an, an incident? And their response is, we'd rely on the ops guys to do it, the IT operations team, you know, because they're fortunate to have an IT operations team. And then you chat to the IT operations team and you pose the same question. And they say, well, we'd be pretty stuck. Okay, well, these guys work for the same organization, talk to each other, you know, make that clear. Because as soon as that assumption is on place, as in that the assumption is that you're gonna get us out of the, the issue that we're in. And the answer is actually, we're not that just induces so much panic during an incident that, you know, it's it's unnecessary, you know, organisations I feel don't talk, plan, they're not open enough with each other to say, actually, we are probably exposed in these areas and then realise it, recognise it and put some kind of plan and effort 
around that. Um, I, I think I think is is true to say. Um, and John, we spoke on the previous episode about the current state of of cybersecurity, mm-hmm. kind of the threats that are, that are current now. And we we spoke quite a lot about ransomware. How do you and so far see that changing over the next say twelve months? If you could forecast that far well, ahead, yeah, I mean that's a long time in cybersecurity, and it's it's sometimes it's foolhardy to make predictions. But yeah. um, you've put me on the spot. I think realistically, the best we can expect is more ransomware. Okay, um, and that's probably quite a mundane answer. But the reality is that that ransomware is the most effective way of of getting from victim to, to cash payout. because it's working because it works right. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah, the, yeah. The, probably the most likely set of evolutions that that we'll see is a move towards more blended attacks that include extortion by other means. Okay. So we talked a little about the double dip. That's probably going to become more commonplace. It's already a third on average of, of ransomware incidents involve some kind of extortion. We'll probably see the rise of more extortion attacks that just have no encryption element to them. But this basic approach of stealing your data or denying access to data and then, then expecting a payout is the most likely mechanism. We'll probably see... Um, the growth of um, AI being used by the cyber criminals to, to carry out things like reconnaissance quickly and effectively, and okay. even just mundane and basic tasks like writing phishing emails. Um, you know, if English isn't your first language, then using generative AI to to write a phishing email, a more it, legitimate looking email, exactly, it yeah. just knocks okay. out all the basic grammar and punctuation type errors yeah. and, and, okay. and phrasing errors that that we would typically use to spot a fish. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think you know that that kind of you know, the, the the prevalence of ransomware. Because ultimately, cyber criminals are, are in this for the money, you yeah. know. And so, so while that remains a profitable route, um, you know, I think that that continues to be a thing. And and, and it's like you said, blended attack. You know, and I think for organisations, that's going to mean that they need to be aware across an increasingly broad spectrum of attack vectors. Of this is the these are the things people are attacking. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, their goal is to probably deploy some kind of malicious code. Mm-hmm. So they can either do reconnaissance, they can encrypt data, they can ext- they can exfiltrate information out, and then can extort later on. You know, I think it, it, it's it's certainly going to remain a, a problem that if, if we sit down in 12 months' time, I'm pretty sure we won't be going, we've solved ransomware tick, let's talk about something else. So, um, well, John, look, th- th- this has been great, guys. You know, I think it's been really informative and, and really helpful, um, and, and hopefully it has for for. Uh, viewers at home or wherever you listen to or watch your podcast. Um, so, um, well, I, you know, let, let's wrap up this episode. And John, I'd just like to say, you know, thanks for joining us. Um, obviously, you you write, present um, a, a lot. You know, mm-hmm. if people want to find out a little bit more about what you do and can find some of the stuff that you put together, where's a good place to find you? Probably find me on LinkedIn, I guess, is probably one of the, the best examples. Yeah. Apart from that, I have a podcast of my own. So check out A Million Questions to Ask. Uh, podcast, um, which I, uh, I like doing that on a weekly basis as well. So uh, not as glamorous as this, I might add, but you know. It's... <laughs> who, who knew other podcasts existed? Wow. Um, but but, but it's, a, it's a show I listen to and it, it, it's a great show, you know, it gives oh, some you. real detailed insight into kind of step-by-step insight almost into, into cybersecurity problems. So, well, John, look, thank, thanks for joining us. Jason Wayne, no, thank, thanks for thanks for being here as well. And that sounds terrible, doesn't it? It sounds like you did nothing, just thanks for being here. Um, but um, hey, look, if you want to make sure you catch all episodes of uh, Tech Takeaways podcast, then uh, do subscribe. You can subscribe here on YouTube. Or if you're uh, a fan of the audio version only, then do subscribe in the uh, podcast homes of your choice. But until next time, thanks for watching.